Hello everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest. His name is Kenny, Big Skinny Pope. He is a broadcaster out of the beautiful state of Texas. Uh, make sure you check out his podcast. It was an honor to sit down and be able to podcast with him. Such a great guy. He, he hosts a great show. I recommend everybody to check it out. Before we get into that interview, though, I want to remind you all that this show is brought to you by Nothing Productive Entertainment. Go check out my friends at Nothing Productive on the social media, whatever it might be. Uh, just look them up. You'll find them. Great people. And uh, I, I want to I just say once again, thank you to Kenny Big Skinny Pope for doing this interview. It was great to be able to get a few minutes of his time. I know he's a busy guy, but uh, he gave me his time, and I, I think we, we got a pretty good interview out of it. So... Check it out. Here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Woo. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Hit me All with right. your best shot. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to Secret Stories from the Underground. This is your host, Danny Whitman. And today I'm here with legendary broadcaster, Kenny Big Skinny, Big Skinny Pope. I'm stumbling over my own words. That's how excited I am. How you doing? Oh, man, I, I get so humbled when I hear legendary. I don't know. But, you know, it's only a legend in my own mind. It's not, I don't know. Hey, that's all it takes sometimes, man. You know, it's how you perceive yourself. That's how others see you. So my wife, uh, says, she, my wife tells me I'm a legend all the time, man. She tells me I'm a legendary uh, couch. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a couch potato, legendary couch potato. Uh, that's, that's good that your wife says such nice things about you because I don't have that in my household. So really? that's good, buddy. That is, you know, and there, what is the pros and what's the pros and cons of being married? You know, you've got somebody that's always on your back and you've got somebody that's always on your back. Right. I would say there's nothing but cons to being married to me though. I'll give her that. You know, I don't see a whole lot of pros. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here with you today, man. And we are here in Fort Worth, Texas, man. How's the weather down there? Is it nicer than, than up here? Well, what 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 y'all's weather like up there? Do y'all are y'all one of those those states that measure it in centigrade or Celsius, or y'all do the whole Fahrenheit thing? Uh, I think we measure in feet here. <laughs> I think it's about feet. Uh, yeah. No, we, we, got, we don't we, start paying attention to the snow until we got at least a foot on the ground. Then we just start yeah. doing the math from there. It, well, it's up to the third button on my coat. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> you guys got blasted with some snow not too long ago, um, didn't you? Dude, that was like that was like legendary once in a lifetime uh, weather. You know, I've always heard my dad talk about like these phenomenal weather events that, that I've never even heard of in my life, like the Dust Bowl, and they had a flood one time that, that rose to like the the very first window almost of this you know seven eight story high rise building. I'm like, that's some crazy stuff. So I mean, it was stuff like that I'd never heard of before. This was one of those weather events that I'll be telling my grandkids about. You know, and I had to put in there about walking uphill to school and snow and all that in both ways. Cause you know, you have to put that in there when you tell those kind of stories, but, uh, dude, it was crazy. We had like, it was freezing below freezing in just about every County in, in, in Texas. And that's never happened as, as far as I know as when I, as since I've been alive, but to have it in such, you know, the cool, the bad thing about it was, and it was so hard for the electricity to keep up was because everybody was going through the same thing. It wasn't like most years where maybe North Texas, where I live in the Fort Worth area, is having an extreme cold blast, but down around Austin, San Antonio, it's nice and warm there, so they're not using all the electricity. They can kind of shift everything. Everybody was going through the same thing. So, you know, there was, and we don't get electricity from anybody else. It's just good old Texas supplies our own electricity. So 
we were kind of screwed. Fortunately, at my house, we did not lose power. We were one of the few, and I don't know why. I'm just knocking on wood that we didn't. We had just moved into a, a new house in December. And uh, I say new. It's not new. It's new to us. But it was my wife's childhood home that she grew up in. We bought it from her parents, her mother, who's still alive. But uh, it was crazy because the only thing I could think of, man, we just moved into this house. It's, it's got a pier. It's on pier and beam part of it. And part of it's got a foundation. But the part that's pier and beam has all the water lines and stuff running under it to the kitchen. And I kept thinking, man, our water lines are going to freeze up. We just moved in here. I'm going to have to get up under there and redo all the water lines. It's going to be a mess. And fortunately for me, she had went in and, and uh, before we moved in, she had had the plumbing redone under there and had a bunch of like PEX popping and polyethylene popping put up under there. So even if it did freeze up, it would expand enough where it wouldn't make the, you know, make the pipe explode, you know. So we lucked out there. We didn't freeze. We didn't lose any water. You know, we didn't freeze over. We didn't lose our electricity. So it was all kind of nice that. It worked out well for us and not so much for a lot of people. Yeah, you guys made the news up here. That was a hot story when all that was happening. You know? Yeah, it was, it you, was. You guys aren't used to it down there. Up here, you know, we get hammered, but yeah. that's a whole new world for you guys. Yeah, and I'll tell you what's crazy because, like, within a week's time, we went from like a negative two degrees, which was the low, to like 78, 80 degrees. That is just freaking crazy man to have to go from those kind of extremes in a week's time but yeah we're used to like cold weather i mean every once in a while we'll have you know a pretty cold snap here we we might get down in the 30s it might be the high for the day or the 20s or something but to stay where we was at for so long and then have those extreme lows at night man dude you just go to bed wondering am i gonna wake up and all my stuff's gonna be froze over you know that's what you're wondering and you're like oh hope i don't lose my electricity you know yeah crazy did you grow up in uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Yeah, I'm a lifelong resident of Fort Worth, Texas. I was born in Fort Worth. Now, I grew up in a little small town uh, kind of south of Fort Worth as a, as a, as a kid. Uh, I'm living in Fort Worth now. I, I did marry me a Fort Worth girl, so we have a house in Fort Worth now. That's nice, man. Um, so, just so everybody knows, you started in radio, correct? Yes, sir. How did, how did, how'd you get into radio? Years ago, it, it's, it's, it's not really a long story, but I, I traveled around and sang for a little bit, you know, I, and uh, so I made some connections and it was, I thought I was doing fairly well at the time. I was starting to get my name out there as an artist. I mean, I got like a lot of planes flying over here today. I live close to the Air, Air Force Base, so we got planes flying everywhere today. It's like, I don't know, man. I just keep, I'm like, hope they don't drop anything. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I was, sing, I was singing, but. Dude, I was putting a pretty big strain on my, my wife that I was married to at the time. And I'm on my second marriage, by the way. But I was putting a big strain on our relationship. And she came to me. She said, look, it's either going to be the, your music or me. So you need to figure out what you're going to do. So I started uh, DJing events. I started DJing events, doing weddings. Because I had all this equipment sitting in my garage. And, uh, you know, I had to try to find a way to put it to work. And so I thought, well, if I can go out and DJ parties, I'll still be out working. But I'll be home every weekend. You know, I'll just be out a night or two every instead of traveling all over the States. So that was, that would work for, that worked pretty good. But doing all that, I got to know these people that had this event, this venue down South Texas or not South Texas, but just kind of South of where I live. And uh, they asked me if I would be willing to help them uh, promote some concerts. And I said, yeah, they're trying to build up their venue for Sunday afternoons, trying to bring customers in. Well, while doing all this, we decided, they decided they were going to put on a big concert and it was a big country concert. They were going to have Clint Black, Tanya Tucker and Josh Turner come in and, they told me, they said, well, we're going to have you take care of Josh Turner for the day. You're going to be in charge of him and his band. 
And so I thought that was really cool. That was my first brush with meeting with a, you know, actual country star, you know, at, at that point, just, you know, being eye to eye with somebody. You know. And so I, I was, uh, working with this, getting this venue, you know, getting everything uh, going for this big concert. And they said, will you go down to the radio station and we do some, uh, voiceover for some commercials for us. I said, I'd love to. I think that's kind of cool. I've always wanted to do that. And while I was down there, just talking to some of the DJs that were happening to be working that day and said, how can I get into this? Cause it was something I wanted to do out of high school and never knew how to get involved with it. And uh, she told me, she said, well, most people start off as a grunt. And that means you go out to these events that they do and you're out there setting up tables. You're making people, helping people sign up for stuff, giving away free things and that kind of thing. So I did that for a while. And then I was the guy that was in the van out doing, uh, you know, live remotes where I'd, be on the, the little call-in thing saying, hey, this is Kenny. We're out here at such and such. Come out here and see me. Sign up for what, whatever we were, you know, hawking that day or whatever. So that was kind of cool. Just you know, become a board operator, doing stuff for like sports games. You know, you're like the board, the guy behind the scenes running the board for like football games or baseball games or whatever. And then you work your way up to do like a small uh, afternoon show during on the weekend. And then you work your way up from that to, you know, getting a full-time weekend shift, you know, where you're doing two shifts a week. And then you work your way up from that until finally, like I said, you get a three to seven show in the afternoon. So it's, it's a, it's a grind, lots of crazy hours, working lots of crazy jobs, but it takes a while to get there, but it's like everything else. You work hard enough. You, you can make your dreams come true. That's awesome. What, uh, what commercials did you do voiceover on? Um, most of the stuff we did was like regional, uh, car ads and stuff like that. We would do uh, car commercials. Now, one of the cool things that the right, one of the radio stations I worked for did is we had like this, we do these different sales, uh, kind of event things where we would go to different businesses in town and we would do like a package, you know, if you'll sign up for this package, we'll give you X amount or whatever, uh, commercials. But part of that was writing commercials. So we would go to these different businesses trying to sell them our the commercial spots. And then, uh, like we would say, okay, we're doing like a, for X amount of dollars, you can do like a 25 second, uh, Christmas commercial where you can introduce, you know, do, talk about your, your business for 15 or 20 seconds and tell everybody Merry Christmas. You know, it's kind of a way just to kind of get their feet wet with the commercials. So we would have to pitch the commercials to them. We would have to go in and write the commercials, make sure that it was 25 seconds because you couldn't go over. And then once that was done, you had to go to what they call traffic where you had to find out where you could put that commercial in so that it would be close to where they wanted that spot, you know. Uh, a lot of people wanted certain time days, certain, certain time slots where, you know, they could do their their commercials. So, you know, they wanted to make sure it was heard by the, the best audience or, you know, somebody that was relevant to their, to their product or whatever. So that was all part of it, man. Just doing regional commercials, car dealerships, uh, you know, and then like I said, making sure that it was the traffic was, it was lined up where it needed to be and that it was the right length. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty tedious job, but it was a lot of fun. I love producing commercials. That's awesome. What, what do you enjoy more now? Do you like, did you like being a, you know, a radio broadcaster more? Or do you enjoy being a podcaster? I think I like being a podcaster more because I have a little more freedom over what I can do. You know, when I was, when I was uh, in radio, the bad thing about it is, and a lot of people don't realize is a lot of it's voice tracked. I didn't have a lot of chance to interact with my audience. And that became a, a really big deal the farther along in radio I got. When I was first doing it, it was, it was all live. I'd go on live, talk to the, had, had a lot of uh, interaction with the audience. But as you go along, you would go in and like Saturday, I would do my shift on Saturday. Well, they wanted me to record on Sunday because they didn't want to pay me to come in on Sunday. So they're paying me for one. I'm getting paid for one day, but I'm doing two shifts. So they're saving money by me not coming in. Uh, 
so that was kind of, that kind of sucked. And then as I got into uh, my full-time gig, it was originally was supposed to be the on-air shift. And then as a supplemental deal, I was going to do outside sales for them to supplement my DJ because it wasn't going to pay me enough to really support my family. So I thought, I told them, you know, I'll do the, the I'll, I'll do the on-air for X amount of dollars per hour. And then I'll do outside sales to help supplement the income that you're paying me for, the, you know, the on-air stuff. Well, then when the first day I got there, they're like, well, we really want you to concentrate on the sales part of it and on-air stuff. We want you to pre-record that every day. So, you know, I, that just kind of, it just kind of really sucked to me because I don't like, I like the interaction with the audience. I like being able to, to be a part of that. Uh, you know, people calling you and saying, Hey, can you, can you play this? Or, you know, Hey, we really enjoy what you're doing or just, you know, call me up with something funny to say, you know, that was kind of cool. And so I missed all that. Yeah. Now, being a part of podcasting, I, I don't have really a lot of interaction with the audience per se. I mean, a lot a lot of what we do is YouTube, so we do get a few comments on, on videos and stuff. So that's kind of cool. Or on Facebook, you'll get some comments. But the cool thing is I, is I have control over what I'm putting out. I don't have to worry about going into a radio station, and they've already got all the songs programmed into what's being played. And somebody calls you and says, hey, can you play such and such song? Well, if that song happens to be coming up in that time frame they're looking for, Maybe they say, hey, can you play Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline? Well, I know I'll, I'll look down through there and like 10 songs, that song's coming up. I say, yeah, we're going to get it on for you. Otherwise, you're going to hear, I'll see what I can do. Because we knew that we could not ch make any changes to that radio log. It was it, it was what it was. And a lot of people didn't realize that. You know, They thought they could just call in and ask for us to give them a request and we could grant that. So I, I, I didn't like that aspect of it. I like being able to give the customer what they want. I think you just uh, told me a secret on why everything that I ever request at the radio station never gets played. Yes, sir. Behind, <laughs> the, behind the scenes stuff. You learn something new every day. Yeah, uh, so you, you do a ton of interviews. I've, I've heard that you, you've interviewed some very cool people. Can you throw out a few names of your favorites? Uh, you know, I'd say, uh, uh, like here recently, I just did an interview with Bill Champlin. I've done a couple of interviews with him over the years. He's always been my favorite. And for some reason or another, excuse me, he's a real personable guy. I love the guy to death. He's really personable. In fact, he's one of those guys that even after the interview's over with, we'll sit and talk for 20 or 30 minutes, just kind of shooting the breeze, you know, and talking about life in general. But for some reason or another, he's always gotten me my biggest ratings. He has a lot of people that follow him. So. When I was doing the internet radio show, I had him on doing an interview and man, he had, analytics wise, he had my biggest ever listening. Uh, I mean, we had people jumping on the page and that was cool. So I, I really liked him. He was very interesting. Another interesting one was the, I don't know if you're familiar with the group Ambrosia, but they had some big songs back in the seventies and eighties, but uh, Burley Drummond, he's a drummer for, for, for Ambrosia. He's, he was a founding member, did an interview with him. He was really cool. Uh, I would have to say my worst interview of all time. Worst interview. I don't know if you're familiar with the song Dreamweaver by Gary Wright. You know, I sure am. So I did an interview with him. And so once I once I booked my interviews, I tried to stay in contact with the artist. Do you have anything to promote? Make sure that anything you have to promote, you can get to me so we can make sure we have it. Because this is back when uh, downloading music was fairly new. So we didn't really have, I mean, it, it wasn't like now where you go to uh, and get on Spotify and play it almost instantly. For us, for us to download something or upload something to the server that we were using, we had to have a, you know, a physical copy of it, either, you know, on a hard drive or, you know, some kind of uh, flash drive or something just so we could upload it to the system where we could have it on the server. And so I was after him for like two weeks. You need to send me 
whatever you got you want to promote well i didn't know he had a new album out and you know had i done a little research i probably would have found out he did but dude i didn't i didn't upload any new new material from you know single or anything from his album and so when he gets on we're talking about his very first album that he did and uh, that's what i had planned to talk on you know i didn't know anything about his new stuff and he wanted to know if i had his new music and i was just i'm like kind of gritting my teeth and i'm like what do i do and so I said, let me, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to get it uploaded right now. Well, I didn't have it, dude. I was just trying to string him along, keep him on there as long as I could. And, uh, you know, it was really bad, but, uh, I was going to my, my producer, the guy that was behind the scenes saying, Hey, can you find this and upload it? And he was working on it and we could never get it to work. And about 10 minutes into the interview, he found out I couldn't produce his single. He was like mad and he hung up on me right there on the spot. I thought that that's was a bummer, man. That was kind of a jerky thing to do, and then I, I've had. To, I would have told them, no, nobody has your new music. Okay, stick in your lane, play Dreamweaver. That's what everybody wants to hear. Yeah, but you know, I I understand why they want to promote their new stuff. I mean, that's it's their baby, you know, and it's creative process. But dude, if you've got something, you know, and you got something new, and I'm reaching out to you, you know, every every couple of days to see if you've got something new, and you're not responding to me, that's not really on me, you know. It's up to you to provide me with what you want me to promote, you know. So that's kind of that's kind of how that went, and that was probably the worst interview I ever had, other than doing an interview with somebody that that I, you know, I, I kept asking them questions, and they kept telling me, uh, "You have to get with so and so on that." I really can't. I really can't speak to that, you know. And that was kind of a like I had to hang up on that one because I just wasn't getting anywhere on that, and it was just like I don't know why I interviewed this person. Yeah, uh, have, do you do you think some of that comes into you know what some of these musicians or comedians that they they think that they're still so big in their own head like hey you know what i i don't gotta send this guy an email you know or whatever yeah i think some of it's ego driven you know and i think a lot of a lot of these uh, older guys are you know maybe at that point in time it's probably changed a little bit now but maybe they just wasn't computer savvy where they could get on there and send this stuff you know maybe they didn't maybe they were depending on somebody else to do it and that somebody else didn't get it done and here we are left holding the bag you know so back then i think that was a lot of it a lot of that technology was still new you know you didn't see a lot of these guys that are like 75 80 years old now on the computer where a lot of these guys that are 75 and 80 years old now or after putting out emails and twitter accounts and stuff like that so i mean i think technology's evolved enough where it's so easy for people to get on where it wasn't so much in that day you know how the guy said hey you know go to my go to my uh my Spotify account and pull up my new album. I mean, that would have been great. I could have got on there and, you know, uploaded it or whatever I needed to do to get it, but didn't have that back then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how long have you been podcasting? I've been doing it for about, uh, full time for about a year. Uh, I was doing it kind of, uh, as a, as a hobby for about three years. Uh, I was kind of dabbling in it and I wasn't, I wasn't to the degree I am now. It took me a while to get to the degree I am now. I was one of those people that was working a full-time job last April and got laid off and uh, because of the pandemic. And it was one of those deals. Now, that's when the whole thing about building me a studio, creating me a recording space and all that started. And so I'm on YouTube every day trying to learn as much as I can. Well, I already had a little bit of audio, uh, a little bit, you know, I say a little bit. I had a pretty formidable audio uh, background with being in radio. But I was learning more, you know, how to put different effects on, how to do mixes, how to, you know, where do I get the best sound for doing uh, remote uh, interviews with the guests? It's maybe, you know, I, I mean, I've done interviews with people that were in India that sounded like they were sitting in my studio. How do I, how do, how do I create that kind of sound where it sounds like, you know, instead of somebody sounding like they're on a phone call with me with a lot of uh, background noise or, you know, just bad quality call, 
how can I fix this? And then it came to video. I had, I had no clue how to do video. Well, now I spent a year studying video, how to piece video together, how to splice it. What kind of camera do I need? I mean, all that stuff. It's just been a learning curve of, of about a year and still learning brother. And, and it'll never stop. If you want to be good at something, you never stop learning. You keep pushing yourself as much as you can. And eventually you'll get to the point where either you're happy or you die. <laughs> yeah, that is very true, man. That is very true. And, and the thing with technology is, yeah, with technology, you are never done learning. And when you think that you are done learning, just wait a year and something will change. You know, it's just. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've often um, heard, I've often heard that when you buy like a computer, you know, like you go in and you buy a state of the art, brand new computer, you're not even leaving the parking lot when they've already come out with a newer version of what you just bought. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the same thing, man. It's like, why did I, why didn't I wait 10 minutes to get the newer thing? You know? <laughs> so about this 10 minutes ago. So I know that you're busy, dude. I know you got a, a, a hectic schedule. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I got a few more questions. We got to get down to the serious stuff here now. Where does the name Big Skinny Poke come from? Oh, man. When I was getting started in radio, I wanted a moniker that would stand out. And uh, I thought about Big Kenny because my whole life I had, when I started working as a kid, I worked for my uncle. Um, he was a roofer. And my uncle lived next door to me, so it wasn't hard to get a ride back and forth to work. So. During the summers when I was about 11, 12, 13 years old, I would work for my uncle, you know, being their little gopher, their, you know, pick up trash and make sure that the work area was clean and, you know, bring them water, whatever they needed. I, I mean, but he paid me minimum wage to do that. And I would get to work all summer and have money to buy school clothes or whatever. So it was kind of cool to do that. But his nickname for me, because like I said, I have a sense of humor, a very uh, uh, sarcastic. He would call me either skin wit, skin witty or, or skin, you know, or sometimes skinny. You know, he, a lot of times he just called me skinny. And so that kind of, that kind of stuck with me a little bit. And, uh, when I got into radio, I wanted a name that would kind of stand out because I didn't want to just, you know, kind of fall in the cracks. You know, there's so many people that have very similar names and I thought about big Kenny, but you know, the guy from big and rich had that name already kind of nailed down. So I really didn't want to yeah. compete with that. And so I thought about my buddy said big skinny. He said, he said, why don't you go with big skinny? And it was kind of like a oxymoron looking at my size. And I've had several artists over the years that have met me that have complimented me on that. And that's such an oxymoron. And I'm like, what'd you call me? <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that's kind of, it's kind of stuck, man. It just, it just very recognizable. It's uh, you can look up big skinny on online, Google or whatever, Kenny, big skinny Pope. You'll find a lot of stuff, man. You know, so hopefully it's all good. Where, where do, where can everybody find your podcast? You can find me on YouTube, the YouTuber, man. I'm a, like I said, the pod shack presents which is uh, my, my studio out of Fort Worth here, the Pod Shack, and it's P-O-D-S-H-A-C-K, presents casual conversations with Big Skinny. And I wanted to keep everything kind of casual where we can talk to people without really, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the place where you're going to go and hear the same thing over and over again. You're not going to hear the same uh, interview that you heard on somebody else's channel. We try to do things just a little bit different, might try to ask some different questions and present the interview in such a way that you might get to know this person as a person rather than just an artist or a musician or whatever it is they're, they're happen, they happen to be doing. I, I have done your show, so I can speak uh, for your interview. You, you're a great interviewer, uh, probably one of the best that I've been on so far. Um, so everybody should definitely take a, a moment to check out your interviews and your show there. Um you got anything else to promote? You got anything coming up? Any big episodes or anything? 
Yeah, I, 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 I've got some great episodes, and you can get on there and peruse. But, you know, one of the things I, I like doing, too, is I like being of use to people and, and helping people out. There's a lot of these guys that are a lot of people podcasting. I won't say guys, it's people. There's a lot of people podcasting that maybe don't have an idea of what their audio sounds like. And I would like to be that guy to help you consult with you about your audio, because that's what I do here. I have a production studio and I would love to consult with you about better where you can attract listeners, because that is what it all boils down to. If somebody doesn't like the way it sounds, chances are they're not going to stick around to see what you have to say. So that's a big part of it. So if you want to give me a, you want to give me a holler, you can send me a, an email at big skinny at big skinny voiceovers.net. That's big skinny at big skinny voiceovers.net. And the Podsack studio um, is where we do all of our production work. That's awesome that you're willing to help people. Cause I, I'll say, you know, there's so many podcasters out there and I, I think everybody looks at each other sometimes as competition it is refreshing to hear somebody actually wanting to be helpful to other people. Yeah. Hey, at the end of the day, we're all in this together and uh, we want to get out good quality content. You know, I have a feeling before long, this is the way we're going to get our news. I have a feeling that uh, everybody's going to kind of turn their back on the, on the news the way it is now. And everybody's going to be kind of putting news out there in, in content. So I think it's in the future, it might be helpful to, to stand out with good quality audio. I, I agree, man, because you look at the people who have started podcasts it's just just this year. You have like Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, you know, uh, you, you have so many older musicians that are getting into it now. It definitely wouldn't surprise me if, you know, CNN and Fox eventually has a podcast. You know? Yeah, but I think it's going to be more of the individuals that are going to be out doing their own research, you know, bringing uh, up to the minute news or, you know, out doing their own uh, newscast or maybe out doing, you know, researching stories or something, bringing little stories. I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out now that you can listen to that might bring you some behind the scenes footage of some kind of story that's going on. So I think that's, I think that's the way of the future. I agree, man. Uh, I, if you're, if you don't have anything else to promote, man, I think we're good for the day. Um, can I go home? I, boss? I appreciate you. Huh? Can I go home, boss? We're good for the day. Hey, it's like it's lunchtime. I'm doing Rest. this thing. I don't know. I, I don't know if you, you you got kids. I've got seven girls, man. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know the half of it, brother. I, I I couldn't even imagine, man. I couldn't even imagine. I have nieces. That's the closest thing to daughters I ever had. I got two boys, but we're doing this at home learning thing where I become my kids' teacher, and I'll tell you. Not a good idea. I, sh I should have never been responsible for this. My, my girls are taking on that responsibility trying to teach me, man. So they, they're at home every day trying to teach me. For, fortunately for yeah. me and my wife, we're empty nesters now. All of our kids are grown. Uh, so we don't have to worry about, you know, being overwhelmed overwhelmed with, with girls, you know. So I love them, man. You got grandkids? Uh, I've got, a, I've got uh, four grandkids. Uh, if I'd had this knowledge when I was younger, all the girl knowledge I had, man, I'd have been a dangerous dater. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. What do, what do, why, why is that? Dude, because if you're around, you know, if you're around seven girls now, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You're never in take that. You, you make it eight because then you got to put the wife in there too. So you're around eight girls, but if you're around eight girls, you're going to get in the psyche of all these girls. Now you're never going to understand them completely, but you kind of understand how their mind works. You know, you start seeing things the way they see it, you know, a little bit. So it's, you see a side of stuff you don't, you've never seen, or maybe you didn't think of. Now I grew up with two sisters and that was enough. I thought, but, uh, man, I, I see things that, that I, that, you know, 
understand more now than what I did then. Any man that shares a house with eight women deserves a medal of honor, my friend. Yeah. You, you put you put in your time and service for sure. Yeah. I should get a yeah, a medal. I need a medal. Wear that around. <laughs> when, when I go out, you know, I got seven daughters. So when you when you raise seven daughters, what is easier? Raising seven daughters or having four grandchildren? Uh having four grandchildren. I can send them home, man. <laughs> Are you the grandpa home. that gives them the, the snacks and the cookies and then like, Hey, you guys got to go now. You know? No, my, my wife, that'd be my wife. My wife is that she wants to be the best friend. She wants to give them the cookies. She but I'm the guy that's like, Hey man, don't stand on that. You're going to fall or don't do this. That's not good. Don't do, you know, I'm the guy that's trying to keep them out of trouble. I spent a lot of years as a volunteer firefighter and I'm always worried about somebody's safety, man. And so, you know, that was, that was a big thing too. So we're totally different when we come at the grandkids. I love, I love them. And, but I'm always going to look out for their best interest, but she's the one that's going to give them cookies and, you know, Hey, let's go outside and play with the dog and you can have a banana, you know, or something like that. You know, that's great. Did you do a fire? Were you a volunteer firefighter in the yeah. Dallas Fort Worth area? Yes, sir. So what, what is, what is some crazy stuff that you've dealt with doing that? Oh, dude, man, I got woke up one night. It's probably about three, two 33 o'clock in the morning. And we got, we rolled up on this, on this accident. It was one car accident. The front end of the car was touching the back end of the car. I mean, it was like a total, like a horseshoe. It was the craziest thing I ever seen. Man, you figured something like that, they would be dead. And then I saw some, uh, we lived close to a racetrack. We had like a drag strip and I saw a car that had, I don't know, flipped end over end about 10 times. And, and, uh, we had to, you know, extract a, a, a body out of that thing. That was kind of rough, man. I mean, I've seen some pretty cool, not cool. I've seen some pretty rough stuff. Yeah. So, uh, how long have you been out of that game? Oh, years, man. It's been years. I got to where my knees were so bad trying to crawl. The one thing you have to do as a firefighter, especially going to a burning house, you got to get down on your knees because you got to stay low. You got to stay below the heat. So you stay where that temperature is cooler because I've seen trainings. We'd be doing trainings at one of the colleges there at A&M. We'd go down there like every year and do like a two, a one weekend training. Sometimes we do a whole week out there at their training facility. And I saw instances where guys would stand up and the top of their helmet would just melt. I mean, cause it's so hot. So you got to stay low, but when you get to a point where you can't get down on your hands and knees and crawl anymore, man, cause your knees are just so shot. It's, it's time to wrap it up. Well, that's awesome that you volunteered, man, because that is a, that's a very dangerous job that I think a lot of people just kind of take for granted. Sometimes, you know, your house is burning. It's just call nine one one and, you know, they don't really understand how much it takes to do that and the sacrifice you got to make. But uh, well, that's awesome that you took time to volunteer for your community. Well, I was one of those guys that when I was a freshman in high school, we, we lost our house to a fire. And so I was trying to give back and trying to help people, you know, kind of help them through what I'd gone through myself as a younger child. So I always had that desire to be a firefighter. And when, I, when we had that issue happen when I was a freshman, it just kind of pushed that a little farther. I, I know that pain, man. Uh, my mom's house burnt down uh, a few years back. And unfortunately, like all my childhood stuff was in there, all my childhood pictures and stuff like that. You know, that when that stuff gets destroyed, you know, you, it's, a, it's just a loss that you don't understand until it happens to you. And it, it, it's terrible. You know, there's great pictures of my grandparents that I wish I had, you know, or your old holiday pictures that, you know, I just can never get back. Yeah, it's, it sucks, man. You lose a lot of stuff. I, 
Dude, I, and the, the bad thing was, I grew up in a family with six kids. There was six of us and my mom and dad. So, you know, it was, for the longest time, it was siblings sharing rooms, you know. And I finally got to the point where I had my own bedroom. I think I had my own bedroom for less than a month, and the freaking house burns down. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I get one, one whole is- month with my own bedroom. So after that, did your parents not give you your own bedroom again? Well, no, after that, after that, we, we had, the house wasn't totally gutted. It was where we could, you know, it was, it was smoke damaged heavily and a lot of it was gone, but we, the skeleton of the house was still there. So we were able to rebuild, but from that point on, it was like the whole house, everybody moving into one part of the house, like one room and, and redoing it one room at a time. So, you know, it took, it took years for me to get my own room again. Cause you know, we had to redo the whole house, you know, we, eight of us moving into one bedroom, you know, working on one section of the house. Then when we got that section done, we'd move to another section. And like I said, by the time, by the time I got to where I was having my own bedroom again, hell, it was almost time to move out. Oh, that's a, that's a bummer, man. Go, go all that time. And you only really get about a month, you know? Yeah. I don't want to share a room with you anymore. Little brother, you're a slob. <laughs> and no, so I, don't, did I you- don't know where your shoes are. Were, were you the baby of the family middle? No, I was, I was in the middle. I was really in the middle. I had two older brothers, an older sister, me, a little brother, and a little sister. So, kind of right there in the middle. We're the peacekeepers. So is it, is it as bad as they say being the middle kid? Well, yeah, you're the silent one. You're the, you're the forgotten child. You're the, you're the peacekeeper, though. You're the one that tries to make every, keep everybody, everybody kind of getting together. You know. I got a brother who, who tells me all the time how terrible it is to be him because he's the middle child, you know? No, what you do as a middle child is you try to do things to stand out from the crowd. Once you do that, then your parents, you know, they're like, Oh my God, I'm so proud of him. Look what he's doing. What are you doing over there? <laughs> oldest one. You don't, you don't have anything going on. That's cool, man. Look at your brother over there. Oh so, yeah. It's kind of cool, man. My dad's, my dad's proud of me, man. Me and my dad had a great relationship because I worked for my dad many years out of high school. My dad was a roofer at a roofing company. And so I worked many years for him out of high school and had a great relationship with him. Still to still do to this day. In fact, over the summer, we took a trip. Uh, me and him took a trip up to my cousins in Virginia, just me and him hanging out. My dad is 80. He'll be 85 this year. So it was kind of a cool trip, man. We've had a great relationship. We still do and love hanging with my dad. That's awesome, man. Uh, the older I get, the closer I get with my parents. You know, we had some rough patches when I was a teenager, but not, now that I'm I'm an adult and, you know, my brain works a little bit better, I realize that maybe I sucked as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. You get to about 25, you realize how smart your parents really are. Well, then when you have kids of your own, you realize oh, yeah. all the things that your parents yelled at you for that you just thought were ridiculous. Now you're yeah. doing it to your kids. So. Yeah. Let me tell you the funniest example of that, man. When I was a kid, my mom, we would be, it was back when cable was first coming out, but that, you know, MTV was just new on the air. We'd watch MTV because we loved it. And she'd come in and she'd say, turn that garbage off. And I said, to, I told her, I said, you know, I'm never going to tell my kids that. Well, I remember one day coming in, I coming in from work and my daughters, three of my daughters were sitting there watching MTV and it was a bunch of rap stuff. And I'm not, you know, and uh, it's filthy garbage coming out over the air and i'm like turn that crap off and i caught myself and i'm like oh my god i'm a mother <laughs> you know that's great that at least you could admit it because yeah. i think a lot of people keep that silent inside of them they're just oh i had i had my mom moment but i'm not gonna say yeah. it out loud so. yeah it, it was there it was there and i remembered i'm like no i can't do that man <laughs> they're gonna have to learn and i can tell them what i think about it but i'm not gonna tell them turn it off you know 
I deal with that with my kids. They're big into pop music and all that. And I'm just not a big pop fan. I'm not a big rap fan, but you know, that's what they're into now. And I, I have to bite my lip because I don't want to yeah. sound like my dad. You know? Right. I was big into Night Ranger when I was growing up. My dad, for some reason or other, could not, he, he, he didn't like that band for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because I blared <laughs> it so loudly. But uh, I was a huge fan. I'd, we'd be working on the job or something. He hated for a radio to be on a job, and he would allow it as long as it was low enough it didn't bother him. But when it got to a point where it was aggravating him, he would tell him, turn off that radio. You know, it'd get to a point. He wouldn't do it right away, but it finally wore him. But I remember one day, and I wasn't there, but my, my little brother was telling me they, my dad had a rent house that he was trying to fix up to rent. And it was, uh, <clears throat> he had bought my grandmother's old house, my mom's mom's house, and he was trying to make a rent house out of it. And him and my little brother over there working. And one thing you got to know about my little brother, he's one of the laziest guys you'll ever meet. He's, he'd give you the shirt off his back to make a friend, one of the most uh, friendliest people you ever meet. But he's just not been really one of those guys that you could have a great work ethic. Um, love him to death. And uh, But anyway, uh, he was over there working with my dad and he had a radio, had like a big old uh, boom box. My dad told him to turn it off. And he was, I mean, I don't know how long it took him to get to turn it off, but before he could get it turned off, my dad took an ax and cut it in half. So I, had to, I had to hear about that and i'm like oh my gosh man that's crazy an axe it's, it's, it, it's it sounds like your dad and my dad would have definitely destroyed a home project together because my dad was big on like throwing power tools and stuff like that you know he's oh oh my dad would take a steel toe boot we'd be out in the garden working and my brother he'd be out there my dad say get out there and turn that soil and, and you can go you guys can play once you get that done i'm like I'm out there trying to get it done. My brother's over there complaining and whining and gripping about it and moaning. And my dad would pull off his boot and just throw it and pop him in the head with it. I'm like, dude, just shut up and go to work, man. Right on, man. Yeah, it's uh, that sounds like my dad too. They would have got along as they as they were hitting us with shoes. That's crazy stuff, man. Well, all right, brother. I got to go to the store and get some groceries, and uh, I got I got to do my thing about cooking. I love to cook, so we're gonna go see what we can create tonight. I think we're doing some chili cheese fries homemade tonight. All right, Big Skinny, I appreciate your time, man. It means a lot to me. I appreciate you being here. I'd love to have you back anytime. So, Much love from Fort Worth, brother. Take care. Hey, you too. Thanks, bud. Have a good one, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.